Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. I'm your host, Josh, and this is the Holofoil Chrome Die Cut Variant Cover 100th Episode Edition. And joining me today are my longtime co-hosts, Rich. Howdy. And Jack. Josh, we made it to 100 episodes, yes. We made it to 100 episodes, can you believe? And in honor of our 100th episode, edition, issue, number 100, whatever you want to call it, we are going to discuss all the ways that milestones and anniversaries are occasions to do momentous episodes that do things you can't do all the time, but every once in a while there's an occasion that warrants getting something a little extra special or out of universe as a treat. Things like crossover episodes, bringing back dead or departed characters to fight alongside the current generation or cast, even breaking the format entirely and starting the episode with characters from an alternate universe as if that's always the way it's been. Not that anyone would ever do that, of course. Um, so I thought we would start out, uh, let's talk about some of the ways, um, some of the tropes, some of the... Um, the ways that comics, TV, long-running film fan, uh, franchises commemorate a big milestone, like a, a hundred issues or a hundred episodes. Jack, what are your uh, things that you've seen, uh, ways that that big anniversaries or milestones are, are recognized? Thank you, Josh. Um, well, here we are, you know, on our uh, centennial episode, um, you know, it, I could not imagine we have, would have come this far, but I mean, you know, all good things. And so, uh, and we will continue on for another hundred more. Um, so in thinking about this hundredth episode, I think, uh, I think it's fitting uh, that we recently had um, the uh, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, I think as a franchise, uh, it's the longest running science fiction franchise in history. And just, for those who are not aware, the uh, major kind of conceit in the show uh, is that the Doctor uh, will essentially regenerate. Uh, and, you know, in-universe, that means the Doctor will just become another version of themselves. Uh, and, you know, uh, the actual thing that actually happens is the, the character, uh, the actor is recast, uh, and uh, so a new spin is provided. And so um, one of the things that Doctor Who has been very good at doing, particularly in the, in the, in the past um, they've, they've been doing it for a while, but what they'll do is they'll, since they've had so many different actors play the role of the doctor um, at, you know, certain kind of anniversaries, uh, the 25th, the 30th, uh, the most recent was the 55th, uh, and there is, they're planning a 60th for next year, uh, they will bring back um, some of the actors who had previously played the doctor. And so uh, mixed results um, on, on some of those anniversary specials. Um, but I, I think now, uh, since it's become such a, a trope and such uh, something that the fans expect, um, I think they've invested a lot more time in really kind of thinking and considering uh, who can we call back, whether it's the doctor or their human companions, uh, and what stories can we actually demonstrate the significance and also the history of the character over time. So I think that's uh, an area in which uh, an anniversary is celebrated well. Um, I think it's an area... Uh, that as of late has become something that is uh, expected and consistent. Uh, and so I imagine for as long as Doctor Who is a, is a property, uh, they will continue to do that. Sounds good. I can't wait. <laughs> I've always, I've liked Doctor Who, but never been a consistent follower. But, um, you know, this kind of uh, 60th anniversary, bringing other um, 
characters from the past and could be a lot of fun and maybe get me um, started. Oh, absolutely. So one of the key things is uh, it's a good way to introduce new viewers uh, to the show because uh, typically then they'll start with uh, maybe a new doctor uh, or it's a good way to give a lot of fan service to the old fans who recognize the old doctors and see how they play off of each other. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. At the risk of uh, turning this into a show entirely about Doctor Who, because uh, I think that's a very rich vein to mine. Uh, Jack, I should have known that you would uh, beat me to the punch, but that's um, that's a lot of what I had planned to discuss were the uh, the, the multi-doctor sort of anniversary episodes. But um, well, Josh, you know, it, it, po- po- poaching on the show, poaching of the host is something that has been historically incorporated as part of you know the secret origins of mint condition. That and our non-sponsored sponsor, Hoopla. Indeed, indeed. That's why I should have known because it's a long, it's a long running uh, trope of our own, a long tradition. And that's why I am not at all surprised that uh, you scooped me. Rich, so as you know, ironically, for someone hosting um, a, a podcast that is the, uh, the virtual um, extension of a comic book store, my primary medium is not, is not comics. Uh, but I know uh, uh, you are a comics guy. Um, can you... Are there any sort of event stories from comics, whether or not it was tied to an anniversary or an issue number that ended with a zero or multiple zeros? Um, are there any event stories that you recall uh, uh, fondly? Sure, sure. And um, the the weird thing is I probably wasn't um, initially paying attention to comics at the time, but, uh, the original infinite, uh, crisis on infinite earths, um, you know, they changed a lot. They changed a lot. Um, they reintroduced Superman and Batman and, um, you know, they did away with the original, uh, well, the Barry Allen flash and, um, you know, uh, Jay took his place, not Jay. Wally. Wally took his place. And um, Green Lantern and Green Arrow, uh, it was like all the next generation came out. And it was, um, and I've said this before on our uh, past podcasts, that um, what got me back into comics was uh, John Byrne's um, retelling of the Superman story in the six-issue Man of Steel. So, um, you know, that... That to me was um, a major thing. Unfortunately, they've um, kind of brutalized that over the years in having, you know, the retelling or the revamping of uh, their origins um, and bringing back. And I don't know, in my opinion, whether it was necessary to bring back uh, the original, I'll say, Silver Age cast. I was, I was enjoying the Next Generation to be perfectly honest. Superman, you know, he lasts a long time. So um, I didn't have a problem with Clark Kent coming back and and the way John Byrne told his story. But um, I did like uh, Wally, um, uh, Connor, the Green Arrow. Um, what's his name? Green Lantern. What was, um, help me, Jack, you know him. Kyle Rayner? Kyle Rayner, yes. I mean, I enjoyed Kyle Rayner because... You know, he was an artist and he had a whole different way that he used the ring. Um, 
you 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 would see um, more elaborate. Um, what would you call uh, constructions? Weapons. Excuse me. Constructions. He had like a constructions. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I, that so that's that's the one that immediately comes to mind for me. So so and that um, uh, crisis on Infinite Earths was from the mid '80s. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So me uh, coming from a place of near of near total ignorance, which is a long running joke on this on this <laughs> podcast. Um, th- uh, th- this was a. Well, I guess I'm just doing the math in my head, uh, like the the 50th anniversary sort of sort of was that the occasion that they were marking and they were using it as an opportunity to kind of retool yes. or revamp. Yeah. Yes, you're right. It was the 50th anniversary. Um, so that's interesting because, uh, Jack, I think that that also ties into what you were talking about with Doctor Who anniversary episodes. And um, one of the things about Doctor Who that I find particularly interesting is that it's the only show series um uh, long-running franchise even though i i i hate i hate the f word it has the seeds of its own reinvention kind of already there in its premise like this idea that the show completely reinvents itself like it it changes the main character for all intents and purposes. I mean, there is some continuity in that it is the same, the same character, but for all intents and purposes, it's a different actor. His co-stars change uh, quite often. The entire creative team behind the series will change hands, the creative direction and the vibe of uh, the show changes. And that's something that fans of Dr. Who for, for better or worse are primed to expect that one day their favorite show will end and a new show will premiere and take its place right um and i think it's interesting uh, because um because anniversaries are also often used as an occasion to revamp or relaunch and doctor who it sort of comes more naturally to doctor who you sort of expect it uh uh to do that i'm wondering i'm trying to think of um one of my favorite kind of event stories that was used to um that was made in response to uh, a big anniversary was um, the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode Trials and Tribulations, in which the uh, the cast of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, in uh, which was being made in 1996, traveled into the middle of a classic Star Trek original series episode from 1967, The Trouble with Tribbles. And a part of the glee of that was seeing our contemporary characters even though i guess it's been almost as long ago that trials and tribulations aired as uh the trouble with tribbles was to do space nine at that point which is a frightening thought in its own um <laughs> yeah. uh, uh but you know you can't do that every week you can't have your 1996 show um you know invade an episode of a 1966 show every week i guess you could but then it would uh, become a whole different show right like it would be another show and that's i think you know one of the fun things about about anniversaries and uh special occasions is you know like i alluded to in the intro you get to you know kind of have um have your candy uh you get to have a little treat um i'm wondering can either of you recall 
or have in mind a particular example of something that was supposed to um, be a special milestone episode that did not uh, necessarily succeed at celebrating or or honoring what what came before it uh, something that was um, supposed to be candy or a piece of cake kind of a treat but left kind of a sour or a bitter taste in your mouth take it away jack well thank you thanks richie um <laughs> to, to, to to that point um josh when you you had just mentioned you know uh, trials and tribulations uh for the 30th anniversary of star trek uh voyager was also on at the same time and so they had flashback their... yes yeah. exactly oh, um oh no 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 we're on the same wavelength you know and 100 episodes this is where we are um and 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 so that had some some good pieces. Um, you know, it had obviously uh, um, George Takei coming back as as Captain Sulu. Uh, it had Grace Lee Whitney uh, coming back. Uh, it also, I think, had um, uh, Klang or, or one of the, the the Klingon captains in there. Uh, the thing is, the story wasn't very good. Um, it was a very weak kind of uh, some kind of uh, virus infection in Tuvok's brain because. Um, at the time, uh, the, the actor Tim Russ had appeared uh, on the bridge of the Excelsior as just kind of a bridge crew, uh, and he would later become Tuvok in Voyager. And so, you know, the powers that be said, hey, how about we just say that that was Tuvok? Um, and so it, it, I guess, canonically made sense. It kind of worked as far as anyone kind of looking at the two things together. It's uh, The story was not a very good story, uh, and so... Uh, on some level, I felt um, where is Trials and Tribulations, I think, was done very well. I think it had a lot of fun. Um, it was uh, very well thought out. Um, you know, flashbacks seemed a little disjointed. I would agree with that. Um, and, Jack, you know how I hate to uh, 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 to contradict um, my uh, long-esteemed co-host, but I, I believe uh, Tim Russ actually appeared on the bridge of the Enterprise the the B at the beginning of Star Trek Generations. I don't think he he was in he was on the Excelsior. In I Star Trek. think you are correct, sir. I, I stand corrected. And 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 you know our, for for our, our many Star Trek discussions over the you know the past hundred episodes, ninety nine episodes. Uh, yes, I I I I I do defer to your your your, your uh, the breadth of your Star Trek knowledge. It's okay. It's okay. We all we all get some some details uh, confused, and it also makes sense because uh, the Enterprise uh, the. Uh, the B and the Excelsior, they are are both Excelsior-class ships. They uh, use the same uh, bridge set. Uh, Generations came out right after Star Trek VI, so it's it's completely understandable why you would make that mistake. My my old friend, long-running uh, 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 co-host and uh, comrade in Star Trek uh, discussions for these last 100 episodes. Don't apologize. Good catch, Josh. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, so you know what's interesting about that example is that I think that it speaks to... Well, so I mean, first of all, in general, uh, but for Star Trek in particular, I think there's a reluctance to just do a time travel story, right? Like, I think especially at that point in the mid-90s, like, you wanted to try to avoid doing straight-up time travel, I think, because it was viewed as, like, kind of kind of cheap, and ultimately, the Deep Space Nine creative team and the Voyager creative team uh, were very different in many ways. And um, th uh, they took two different approaches to do the same thing. What uh, the two shows wanted to do was uh, they wanted an excuse to have 
the cast of their show interact with the cast of the classic show, right? And how do you get there? The Deep Space Nine writers were all fans of the original series, whereas uh, the main creative force behind Voyager were not were not as enamored of the original series as the Deep Space Nine writers were and I think it shows that 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 um the love for the original Star Trek really comes through very strong in that uh, Trials and Tribulations episode of Deep Space Nine like you said Jack flashback while it's great fun to see to see Tuvok and Janeway interact with Captain Sulu on the bridge of the Excelsior it doesn't quite have that that joyful feeling of celebration that trials and tribulations has and i also think that they took two different approaches to um how um how to get there i think voyager went through great uh great lengths to avoid just doing a time travel story especially they probably also knew that deep space nine was doing a time travel story Mm but um what i love about the deep space nine approach to doing time travel was they were sort of, well, the time travel itself isn't really important. Like, it's just like the orb of time. Uh, they just sort of j- jump over it. But in so doing, in s- sort of acknowledging the inherent kind of can of worms that, that a time travel story opens up, they make that a part of the episode. And they introduce the characters of Dulmer and Luxley, which are, are um, thinly veiled anagrams for Mulder and Scully, who show up from... Uh, the temporal investigations department to <laughs> that's right uh, uh, to investigate this this time travel incident uh, because apparently this happens in Starfleet a lot which we know because we at that point had been watching Star Trek for 30 years and that that does seem to happen quite often so it follows that they would there'd be a protocol for what uh how to handle these things and so, so I think that those two anniversary episodes um, kind of offer two approaches to trying to um, to pay homage to the same source material, and one I think is more successful than the other. And I think it really comes from whether or not you have a genuine love and or understanding of the source material to begin with. I think is what I have just realized after the last however many minutes of of droning on about the minutiae of production details between Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But as we both know, I am wont to do that on this show. Oh, oh, and, um, and we give you the platform, sir. Yes. I, and I appreciate your indulging me. Rich, I, I had a question, Rich. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I know one of the things that I, I used to love uh, about comics uh, is, you know, the the, the 100th episode uh, or, or excuse me, episode, 100th issue or, you know, the, the 500th issue. And, and so what's coming back to mind right now is the, the thousandth, thousandth issue of, like, action comics. Um, and so, I mean, for you as a longtime comic fan, did you enjoy those? I know, I, you know, when I was, like, really into comics, I used to think uh, that sometimes they did a lot of great work uh, in, in those issues where they, uh, sometimes they would have, it like, multi-part stories where you'd have, like, four or five different writer artist teams kind of working on it. Um, and they would really tell great stories, but I, I wanted to know, uh, would you, did you think it was gimmicky or did you think it was really honoring kind of like that, that the whole notion that this is a, a milestone in, in the comic, you know, reaching uh, so far? Oh, let's see. Well, I, I enjoyed 
I enjoy the anniversary issues. Um, and now you're saying the thousand. So you're talking about like Action Comic 1000? Yeah. You're talking about, yeah. Okay. Well, again, I, I it happened again where I, I've been um, been away from comics. I've been selling my collection um, through eBay. And mm-hmm. while I'm on there, every once in a while, I sneak a peek, see what's going on. And I saw that Action Comics 1000 came out. So, you know. I, I went ahead and got um, uh, a bunch of issues around that time. I thoroughly enjoyed the stories, and they had all those variant covers as well. Right. I mean, I, I wasn't going to get all 750 um, variant <laughs> covers, but I just, you know, I, I picked one or two out that I that I liked and, uh, and went with the best deal. <laughs> but once I got the comics, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but, uh, you know, since then... I, I don't know that the direction has gone in a very good one for Superman, based on what I've heard from Joe. Uh, and long, long time friend of the show, long time friend of the show, long time friend of me, and yeah. uh, you know my what? Pre- not my predecessor, my um, your successor, my successor. successor thank yes. you. Uh, glad to have you there, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know. I did enjoy the the one thousandth um, episode. Uh, I mean, issue. You know, thoughts that are going through my head in regard to comics and anniversaries and whatnot are the time that uh, DC and Marvel teamed up with Spider-Man and uh, Superman. Yes. In the Treasury edition, uh, you know, the size of the comic was the size that the the pages were actually drawn in. Mm, I remember and, that. Um, you know, I could not tell you. What the plot was, I don't remember, but I know I thoroughly enjoyed it at the time. The artwork was terrific. That was Ross Andrew. I don't know. My guess would be it was um, uh, Dick Giordano, mm. but I could be wrong there. Um, Joel will probably be listening to this episode because I know that he pays attention, and I think he's looking forward to being a listener um, on our episodes, as he always is. <laughs> Yeah, we, we should invite him back to to uh, yes. to, to maybe do a, a special episode. But uh, you know that that was a special that was a special issue. I got because to me that was the first time that Marvel and DC had gotten together. I could be wrong, um, and I don't know where I heard this or not. But um, some of the creative character, uh, creative writers and whatnot um, from DC and Marvel had done a, some sort of hidden crossover mm. in some oh god i just heard about it. i don't know whether i heard about it on um james chris and joe's podcast or whether i had just read it recently you know the i at uh at my age now things kind of overlap and <laughs> i have to save i have to save that uh those gray cells for um some <laughs> specific things and not always what I enjoy the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Rich, um, so that is interesting because uh, uh, so you said for the second time that, you know, that was a moment where you weren't uh, necessarily paying close attention to comics and it sort of uh, brought you back into the fold. And I think that that is um, one of the things that um, that anniversaries and milestones are used for is an opportunity to kind of uh, you know, create an event, do something more special than um, you you normally do week to week, and um, kind of reach 
either new readers or viewers or bring some of your your readers or viewers who may have left you or, or moved on to other things, bring them back into the fold by doing something um, by doing something special. Um, uh, do you yep, find that right into that category? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, which I think is um, one of the useful side side uh, benefits of doing milestone episodes or anniversary episodes. Like, like it sort of reminds you that this exists and what you liked about it. And the best ones, I think, are not just looking backward, uh, but also setting the table for what's to come. Um, at least in my opinion. Yep. Jack, I'm wondering to indulge um, my my desire to have some Doctor Who discussion. Uh, you mentioned um, when you invoked the uh, the multi Doctor episodes, uh, which are most often used to commemorate an anniversary, but not exclusively. Um, you mentioned that some of them worked, some of them did not work. I'm curious uh, for you, which of the multi-doctor stories worked and which did not work? Um, so, um, no, so that's a really good question. So, I mean, obviously there are some, uh, so I, in the interest of full disclosure, um, I became interested in Doctor Who with um, the uh, the fifth doctor. So, so um, you know, and that is um, uh, Davidson. Um, yes. And so... Um, so there are things that happened before his uh, arrival that uh, I maybe have seen, um, you know, in the past. Uh, I maybe try to catch it. And some of them are, are kind of uh, available. Um, but I think for people who are maybe Doctor Who fans who uh, obviously the production values are not as good, uh, you can definitely get a lot of uh, essays or commentary on YouTube. Um, and so I, I think uh, the, the first major one was the three doctors. And I think that was uh, the 10th anniversary and that was 1973. Um, and, and from what, again, I was, I was two. Um, so from what I've gleaned, um, it was kind of the first kind of foray. Uh, and William Hartnell, the original doctor was already kind of not necessarily, um, he had left the role for health reasons. And so he wasn't necessarily, I'm not sure if he was involved in that one. I know it had uh, Peter Troughton, um, and we got Patrick Troughton, um, uh, John Pertley, uh, in that one. Um, but then he they... was involved in it. So he was involved in it, but, um, he only appeared on a TV monitor and he was, um, he shot all of his scenes on one day and he, um, he was seated, um, against black and he read his, um, his lines off of a cue card, which, which you can, which you can see right. sometimes. And unfortunately it's because he was in such, um, uh, poor health, but, uh, to William Hartnell's credit, he, 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 he wanted very, very much to be a part of that anniversary. No, no, absolutely. Um, no, thank you. And again, you're, you're, I, I've, I've forgotten, uh, your extensive Dr. Who, uh, knowledge and then just all things pop culture, which is why well, you are the host, sir. Um, so, so <laughs> I, I think that one was, was maybe not necessarily, uh, the strongest showing, but it, set the tone, uh, it set the expectation uh, that that could happen. Uh, and so for the 20th anniversary in 1983, they did the five doctors. Um, and I think that one was a bit more better received, but then I think even in that one, um, it, it was five doctors, but but I, I, I don't think, um, yeah, what is his name? The most famous doctor. Um, uh, 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 Tom Baker. Yes. He, he didn't, he, um, he opted not to uh, exactly. uh, make a return, which I understand uh, because he had just recently 
uh, not two years earlier left the show, um, which he 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 played the doctor for seven years, and and I understand like not not wanting to um, return to that show not as the leading man in sort of like a, a cameo capacity. Like I get that. Yes, like, I I understand. Though for the fans, even though again I was not um, there to see it. Um, I just missed that one, but um, I I can imagine what a disappointment that is. Uh, similar to how you know in the new show we uh, we always are waiting until Christopher Eccleston, the ninth uh, Doctor, will make an appearance in exactly. one of these one of these anniversaries, and he 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 thus far has refused to do so again for reasons I I totally respect. But as a fan, it's it's just like ah, really want to see. The ninth Doctor on screen with the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, and the eighth, and whoever else. I just really want to see him up there. Anyway, uh, no, exactly. Um, and 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 so, but to to that point, like you know, so the the fiftieth anniversary, the one you, you're you're referencing right now in twenty thirteen. Uh, and so that one was because it it has Matt Smith, it has David Tennant, um, and then it introduces John Hurt as the War Doctor. And so even though uh, Eccleston um, did not you know reprise the role, um, it it kind of brought you something new. Um, and then it also additionally, um, you know, has two fan favorite uh, doctors. Some arguably David Tennant is uh, perhaps uh, the most beloved. I think he in polls has now eclipsed, um, you know, Tom Baker. Um, and so I think that was kind of a sense where uh, they had kind of gotten the formula right. Um, and, and so I think uh, that bodes well for the 60th anniversary uh, that's coming. And an, another thing that they did is as this 50th anniversary was going, uh, they were able to kind of slip in this mini episode of The Night of the Doctor to uh, actually reintroduce Paul McGann into canon, uh, where he was only in that one uh, American produced Doctor Who movie uh, that uh, is probably universally panned many uh, people, uh, you know, in an attempt to refresh the, the franchise, they think, you know, almost killed it. Um, but they, they were able to give new life to to uh, the Paul McGann doctor, uh, you know, as, as I believe the, the eighth doctor. Um, yeah. And interestingly, uh, the good thing there is uh, what many people don't know is there's uh, an audio uh, production firm called Big Finish. They make audio dramas of many of the doctors. And so Paul McGann essentially has been doing those consistently for years. And so uh, the, the the joke is that essentially he has appeared more as the doctor in those audio dramas uh, than any of the doctors have in actual like live performances. But uh, many of those aspects from those audio dramas were canonized uh, in that mm -hmm. Night of the Doctor uh, mini episode. So I, 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 and I think this kind of goes back to, to what you were saying, Josh, about like, you know, um, you know, tri trials and tribulations versus flashback. When the writers love the actual character and they love everything about it, you can see, you can tell. They've done the work. They they are in the trenches and they know uh, and they adore uh, this this piece of, of intellectual property and they mine it for everything that it's worth, um, not only to, for fan service, but because they love it, they enjoy it. And, and I think um, when it's done right, I think that's, you know, one of the things that is, is I think, very special. You know, Rich, in, in thinking about comic books, you know, I, I think I used to love, you know, DC, I think, in my opinion, did it much better because they used to have like those little banners that said anniversary, you know, the gold, right. uh, and it did have the issue. But they, they'd always have these callbacks to these uh, maybe minor characters um, or people you haven't seen in a while. And and, and they were just, I think, really good at at getting and tapping into that 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 whole nostalgia that that fans 
really love. Um, so they they always try to set the character in a new direction, but they they the writers always had a really good sense of, you know, let's not forget what made this great to begin with. Agreed. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think DC um, did the best um, when it came to anniversary issues and, and bringing back characters and uh, yeah, reintroducing them to, to us with you and that a hundred percent. You know, something that I think that these, these anniversary episodes or milestone episodes do sometimes, especially I think a lot lately is sort of um, they do kind of a, a deconstruction of what the uh, the story is or what the character is. And, you know, Jack, you mentioned the the Doctor Who audio dramas. Um, uh, they actually, uh, to commemorate the, the 40th anniversary of Doctor Who in 2003, when, um, when Doctor Who was not on the air, um, the anniversary story that they did, Jubilee, uh, by Rob Shearman, which he later adapted into Dalek, a season one episode of the... Uh, uh, the relaunched show with uh, Christopher Eccleston as the ninth doctor, but it only, it doesn't really have much in common with Jubilee audio drama uh, beyond trying to make the Daleks scary again and doing so by focusing the story on only a single Dalek and making that single Dalek be super terrifying. But what Jubilee did was it, it kind of examined kind of a tongue in cheek way um, it was a sixth Doctor story in which um, he and his companion, his audio-only uh, companion, Evelyn Smythe, they land, uh, the TARDIS lands in England in 2003, and they quickly realize that they're in an alternate timeline where the English Empire is sort of the the, the hegemonic uh, government on the planet, and they won a war against the Daleks in 1903. Hmm. And they have... And it's 2003, and they are about to celebrate the Jubilee anniversary of their their victory against the Daleks. And in the intervening year, uh, Dalek merchandise and their the the place of the Daleks in uh, a popular culture has become so so enmeshed in their 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 culture that um, they have forgotten exactly how horrific and horrible the Daleks actually were. And you know, there's like some some kind of um, you know hard to miss uh, parallels uh, between like you know uh, other lines like you know slap a Dalek on uh, they'll slap a Dalek on anything like uh, to make a buck or something and it's like <laughs> and you know like um, uh, the people are shouting exterminate exterminate like they just they they want to see so they have this one survivor Dalek that. Uh, they have in uh, the Tower of London that sort of, um, I think, if I'm remembering uh, correctly, like he makes an um, he makes an appearance on the anniversary, and they sort of, you know, trot trot out this um, survivor Dalek, and it's sort of like a celebration, and they want to see, uh, you know, the Dalek yell exterminate and stuff and blah blah blah, and it's 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 uh, uh, you know basically saying like, what what are we when we are are celebrating? The Daleks, uh, like we love, we love the iconography and we love the Daleks so much, but we can't forget what they represent and what they actually are. We can't separate it from its context because when we do, we um, we forget the the lesson that we 
we learned when um, we allowed um, fascism to thrive and rise and we ultimately had to rally to defeat to defeat it and when we we celebrate the iconography without taking it seriously when it it uh, becomes something that you just slap on a lunchbox and you uh, you sort of celebrate it you know you have to you risk allowing it to thrive again because now it's a joke it's 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 sort of a punchline it's it's ubiquitous and nobody fears it and in jubilee rob shearman wanted to remind everybody why you should fear the daleks why you should fear um nazis and fascism and that was uh, you know the 40th anniversary story and i think <laughs> i think the um <laughs> and i think you could only get away with doing such a somber and i say somber like the the episode, uh, the story itself is a lot of fun. It only, uh, you know, it's very tongue in cheek. I mean, uh, you know, it's only until you get to the very end and you realize the 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 horror of what he's actually saying and what the implications are. But it's 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 kind of the the only kind of a thing you can get away with when your franchise is sort of not in the limelight. It's sort of a niche thing, and no one is really looking at it. It's not a, a dominant cultural force where i feel like you you could get away with uh, commemorating an anniversary with uh with something so um i guess challenging is what i is what i would say it's sort of challenging doctor who fans to kind of think critically about what it is they love about the show and i think sometimes uh, uh milestone episodes or milestone issues are used to kind of to kind of hold a mirror up and kind of ask questions about like, what is this story really about? Um, and I think sometimes, sometimes it can be done really well and really thoughtfully, but I think sometimes, you know, fans don't necessarily like uh, be sort of chastised or felt like they are being chastised for their love of this thing from the actual thing itself. And I'm wondering, do either of you have any, um, have any examples of stories that are sort of s self-aware and maybe self-critical that um, you think are maybe uh, that either you don't like or that you know that um, some some fans may not like for sort of holding up that 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 mirror. Was that mm. question clear or was it kind of rambling? No, I no, I know it. Yeah. No, I know no, it was rambling, but but uh, but I um... after after hundred episodes, I speak Josh quite well. Um, no, I think I think I, I think I think it it was it was quite clear. Um, you know, as you were discussing it, um, one of the things that that I thought about, and I think um, you know, the CW uh, with a lot of the Arrowverse shows have have done you know anniversary uh, episodes, and so uh, in listening to you, kind of um, you know, discuss. Uh, the opportunity to take a, a much more focused look, not only on on the characters, but but also the episode. Um, it made me think of uh, the Supergirl uh, episode, the hundredth episode called "It's a Super Life," um, and and so it's it's you know done in the vein of "It's a Wonderful Life," and so it uh, essentially uh, has you know Cara Danvers, you know Supergirl's secret identity, um, kind of like looking at her past and um, trying to undo some of the the things she regrets. Um, but in kind of uh, undoing some of the things that she regrets, uh, she she realizes that 
she has made things worse. And, and so on, on one level, uh, it, it's, it's somewhat meta um, because it uh, allows uh, her to actually, she as the character is aware of the choices she made. You as the viewer are aware of the choices she made. Um, but then it allows her as the character to, uh, well, if I would have done this, or if I would have uh, revealed my identity earlier here, maybe things would have been better. Um, and it has the conceit, obviously, of it's fiction, and so the writers can make the story go any way they want. Uh, but in, invariably, uh, things are worse uh, when she feels, it, had she taken a different choice, it would have um, made things better because she's looking at it just from the limited perspective of her own lived experience. And so I, I thought, you know, by the time this is, you know, the fifth season, and, you know, some would argue, and I, going back to what you're saying about the fans, some would argue maybe they were kind of running a little dry uh, for the show by the time they got to the fifth season. But I thought this was a very creative use of a well-trodden trope, you know, the It's a Wonderful Life, um, you know, Murray, maybe if I'd never been born, that's my James Stewart, yeah, one per episode. Um, and, and so, Zuzu's Petals, Zuzu's Petals, okay, I am really done this time. Um, so, but I, I, I liked that the episode uh, essentially looked at itself, looked at its character, took this very well-trodden trope, uh, kind of moved things a little bit and, and kind of made you go, hey, you know what? Um, that was at least a very good exploration of the character within the universe they had created. And, and so uh, I, I don't think I have seen that done as well uh, for a show where, quote unquote, uh, alternate realities wasn't part of the major storyline or part of the overall mm -hmm. plot or the theme. I, I think in the context of a, a character who's based on a comic book character uh, achieving the hundredth episode uh, is a really good kind of look back at um, all of the episodes for the fans who have been following along, uh, but then allows the character to, to uh, question uh, their own choices and decisions uh, along the way. And so I, I, I think that, was a very well-conceived framing of, as you said, uh, the, this, this home notion of taking time to reflect when you hit this milestone uh, and look back um, and, and kind of uh, question um, what does this character mean and, and what, what, how could things have been different in the context of how we know or understand the character and how they know and understand themselves if that makes any sense. I too have, you know, a penchant for rambling. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No, I get you entirely. So uh, just out of curiosity. So you said that was a fifth, a fifth season episode, which um, I know a lot of shows that run 20 some odd episodes, they hit um, their hundredth episode sometime in the fifth season. So was that, so was that the occasion of its uh, 100th episode or is it just yes. a coincidence? Yeah. yeah, no. So, so that was the, the actual hundredth episode. Uh, the show had originally started on CBS, uh, moved over to the CW, you know, they had somehow found a way to string together a hundred episodes. Um, and I think maybe they went on for two more uh, seasons after that. Um, you know, and again, as I indicated, um, some of the best episodes were up the the first two about the fourth were probably I think the strongest, um, but I, I think this was kind of a bold move uh, for for the hundredth episode. Well, so uh, so let me ask you then. Um, that said, um, where how do you, where do you feel where did the episode land at the end? Was it sort of affirming of what the show was, or was it sort of critical of some of some elements that um, were there and maybe 
uh, with kind of a nod toward um, not course correction, like as if it was a mistake, but was there any sort of lesson learned that then the show learned or, or was it sort of more sort of affirming of no, yes, like we are who we are and this is how we've always uh, behaved and this is how we will continue to, to behave and tell stories moving forward. If that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And so, um, part of the the crisis that the character was facing uh, was essentially she uh, had as Kara a really strong relationship with uh, Lena Luthor, um, and and so uh, essentially she was basically trying to discern if she would have made different choices. Um, and and for many of the seasons, Lena didn't know that she was Supergirl, and then when Lena finds out, um, there is this almost homicidal uh, betrayal. And I always wonder, me, would I feel that betrayed? You know, I don't know. Neither here nor there. Um, but, uh, and, and, and so to, to answer your question, um, she, she, the character comes to a realization that, um, you know, she made the choices that she made uh, looking at these alternate realities. They were perhaps choices for the best. Um, and then she would just have a much more hopeful uh, outlook uh, on perhaps she and Lena will be able to repair their relationship in the future recognizing mm-hmm. that uh, as things happened, maybe she didn't make the best choices, uh, but having had the opportunity to look at these alternate realities, you know, things could have been much worse. And and so uh, at least starting from where the episode started and where it ends back in the prime reality, um, they at least have a chance maybe to repair that damage in the future. No, uh, no, that makes total sense. Uh, before I move on, uh, Rich, I'm wondering if, um, was there ever like an anniversary episode or an event episode or an issue that um, you you did not respond well to? No. <laughs> no, that's no, that's fair enough. No, no honestly, the, the, um, honestly, with with any of these things, um, you know, I, I can't I can't pull on one in particular. It's just whether it's a guest star or um, the anniversary issue brought in some small nuance of something that I enjoyed. That's what I reveled in. It, the whole story could have been bogus and, and who, who cares? You know, just having certain characters um, guest starring and being there um, was no, good totally. enough for me. Yeah. I'll, no, I'll and I told- like Indiana Jones, the fourth movie. Okay. Um, okay. I guess there's mixed reviews on, on that coming back, you know, 25 or 30 years later. But it was it was great to see Karen Allen back, you know. I got that right, mm. right? Yep. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, Marion, and, and and seeing you know Harrison Ford back, uh, you know, I I just enjoyed it. Whether it was a good story or not, I don't remember it. I could probably watch it again, and I'll enjoy it for for what it was. But I I don't go that deep into um the the negative part of it. I think I, I've no, heard totally. Adrian talk on uh, the other <laughs> podcasts that um, you know she's always looking at the um, the good side, and uh, I think she might get that from me. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I no that is something that I try very hard to do. Like I, especially with something as I don't want to say inconsequential because it's not inconsequential, but um, something as low stakes as fiction or uh popular media i don't see the 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 upside of of focusing on the negative uh you know we are we are 
here to have a good time. This is at the end of the day. Yes, it may be saying important things and it um, may be something meaningful to us. But at the end of the day, this is this is entertainment uh, with with um, very uh, rare exceptions. I also try very hard to remind myself, even uh, when I can work myself up into a lather about about certain things like I I do want things to be good and I try to focus on what I liked versus on what I did not. Um, that said, for whatever reason, like as both of you know, through uh, our many conversations over these last 100 episodes, I am very critical. And when I say critical, I don't mean like um, criticism as in like I I did not like this, but criticism in the sense of, you know, uh, being thoughtful about where did this come from? What does this mean? What are they trying to do? And how is that succeeding or not succeeding? Yes. Um, and for me, uh, like, I am very much concerned with the, what the story is about, like the aboutness of a story for lack of a better word like why are why are you choosing this story to tell now and i think anniversaries can be tricky because on the one hand you you do want to use the opportunity to take a victory lap and for it to be a celebration uh, but at the same time um you also want it or uh, at least i do i want it to be about something and i think and i think what ends up happening uh quite often with um with anniversary stories is you know it's just sort of here are a bunch of things that were popular in the past and we are bringing them all together and that should um uh, be uh that's cause enough uh for celebration uh, jack the most the most recent doctor who anniversary special uh the power of the doctor in which uh, jody whittaker the 13th doctor regenerated and her final story um um, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I, I very much got the sense, unlike the 50th anniversary story, which you invoked earlier, Jack, um, this story I felt like really was just an excuse to squeeze in as, as many familiar faces as they possibly could and bring back some, some beloved, uh, characters in the person of, of, of Tegan and, of Tegan and, and Ace and teaming them up, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, like you, especially as a fan of the fifth doctor, you must have loved seeing, um, seeing uh, Tegan on screen. And I love the seventh. So, so seeing, so seeing Ace and yes. Sylvester McCoy on screen again was amazing. Like, I'm really like, I loved seeing those two, those two actors reunite with their doctors on screen. I thought that that was uh, the fan in me really loved that. And I think that, that uh, to be honest, for reasons that, uh, we will have to get into on another episode. This era of Doctor Who was not my favorite of the new series. It has nothing to do with something that I'm always very hesitant uh, to say because there's a, a very vocal, loud minority of Doctor Who fandom that, and also non-fans who, who have no investment in Doctor Who whatsoever, but who really dislike the fact that the 13th Doctor is a woman. And so I from a desire of not wanting to 
provide any fuel for uh, for any of their sexist arguments. Like I, I'm always very hesitant to uh, say that I I was not a fan of this era. But uh, but that said, I think the reason why I enjoyed the episode for what it was so much was because I had such low expectations. Mm-hmm. For my money, the 50th anniversary special was much more successful in that you got your cake. And and ate it too. Like it did have all those. Oh, I'm 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 so excited to see this actor and this actor share the screen, and all of those like you know fanish moments. But it was also very much about setting up the future. And I think these nostalgia plays that we see so much of uh, today are sort of masquerading as events without any real content. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if either of you have any thoughts about you know, sort of nostalgia for nostalgia's sake and whether that's enough. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too uh, uh, demanding of, of my of my media and I don't know how to just let my hair down and have fun. But I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do you guys have any have any thoughts on that uh, nostalgia for nostalgia's sake? Well, I'm a fan of nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. Um, and I, OK, I've been kind of thinking um, the original uh, cast of Star Trek from the 1960s. What was it? 20 years later or whatever. They came out with their their movie. Now, I liked it for nostalgic reasons. I know that a lot of people don't particularly think it was such a great movie. However, I believe you, Josh, do think um, it's one of the uh, best Star Trek movies. Am I right or wrong? You there, 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 there's a forthcoming podcast, podcast on this, on this one, yes. Rich. I am a big fan of that movie. Yes. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> it's yeah, a segue no, you didn't know you I were making. We're going there. <laughs> no, but that's but that's actually a really good example, though, um, of a of an occasion that was uh, ten years after the original series had ended, and they they. Um, it was a celebration of sorts. It was a celebration of the original show. It was a celebration of, you know, the um, the fans that had had kept it alive um, when it was off the air for ten years. Like um, making a major motion picture out of a failed quote unquote uh, TV show was was something completely unheard of at the time, and I think that was an example of trying to do something more than just nostalgia and i think that's why the um the reaction to that film among fans certainly was very um complex (laughs) nice way to put it (laughs) although i've got to admit i did thoroughly enjoy it i've only watched it twice hasn't watched it in years but um you know for nostalgic purposes and for bringing back that franchise, which I religiously watched when it first came out, I was a fan. So I can't wait to hear you um, tell us why it's such a great uh, movie. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I've, I have so much I want to say, but I'm going to save it for, <laughs> for, for our special installment. But, um, so, so, but just so I understand, so you're saying, our, uh, so if I understand you correctly, you, you enjoy that movie for the return of the familiar characters of your old friends, but as a movie itself, you're not necessarily sure that it was. No, you got, I got to tell you, uh, it's been years since I saw it and I enjoyed both times I watched it. Okay. Um, so 
I, I'm not saying it, I don't. I won't say that it was the best of the Star Trek movies. I I I um I did like number four with the whale, mm-hmm. um for what it's worth. I did like the return of um well, the uh, original characters, i.e. starring uh, Chris Pine. You mm-hmm. talk about, uh, uh, you know, going into uh, time travel and whatnot. I didn't necessarily have a problem with whatever time issues that they were pulling in uh, in during his uh, tenure as uh, Captain Kirk. But again, when that first movie came out and Chris Pine and all the, his supporting cast came, I mean, it was so much fun seeing everybody mimic, for lack of a better word, the original cast, I was just totally enthralled. I couldn't tell you what the movie was about, but I was just, <laughs> I loved the cast <laughs> and I loved their performances. So that's, that's me. No, I would agree with that. Certainly. Um, Jack, do you have any thoughts on uh, nostalgia for nostalgia's sake or anything uh, Rich just said about Star Trek? <laughs> I didn't say. <laughs> Um, no, no, uh, I love the, the uh, I, I agree with him totally with the J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek. Uh, the, the cast, I think, is spectacular. Um, I have other concerns, uh, which we've discussed in the past and which I'm sure we'll discuss in the future. Um, but going back to what you were saying about nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, um, I feel, uh, and, and uh, Josh, I apologize, I'm going to bring back the, the dreaded F word. Uh, I feel that Far too many franchises, and you know we've spoken about Star Wars in the past. Um, you know, and I think that's probably a very good example, case in point, of story and plot being replaced by just pure nostalgia. Uh, and 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 so essentially, the the story and the plot is in service mm. of the nostalgia, not the other way around. Um, and 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 so um, I, I do worry. Uh, and this is, I think, uh, one of the areas where. Um, you know, anniversary um, or milestone episodes or issues, uh, you know, can falter is um, what's the actual story you're telling? If you were to strip away the nostalgia, do you actually have a good story that advances the character? And and to your point, uh, I felt that, um, you know, with respect to Doctor Who, uh, you know, the the 50th anniversary uh, and the way they had done that, um, I I thought was quite successfully well done. Um, It was kind of combined with the notion that obviously David Tennant was coming back. Um, and, and again, the mini episode as I indicated, um, but uh, what was really kind of, and Tom Baker was in there, maybe he was a doctor, maybe he wasn't, that's a whole other uh, discussion for another time. Um, but it was essentially moving the character forward. There, there was a, a story that they were telling uh, and it was very creative in the way they did it uh, by introducing the war doctor. They were moving the character forward by going back to a story they hadn't told uh, to essentially allow the character to heal from something you didn't know the depths of which were actually, you know, uh, helping keep the character, holding the character back. And so it, you know, kudos to Russell T. Davies. Um, you know, that was a very well thought out, interesting way of doing it. Um, and And so I think that that was, you know, Bravo, kudos. Um, it the nostalgia was kind of additional. You if you take if you took mm-hmm. David Tennant out, you could have told the same story. Um, and so I felt that that is always the the criteria that that you know by which I judge it is if you were to remove this, um, does the story still work? And so 
you know, just to kind of go back to the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, if you take Leonard Nimoy out, does the story still work? I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I'm kind of 50-50. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and I think you needed him there because obviously it's an alternate reality and you have to, you need Leonard Nimoy in there as Spock to make that clear distinction of what's actually happening in the movie. But that's where I was worried. And, and they were, they did very well after that, moving on with the, the, the subsequent movies and not necessarily relying too much on the nostalgia. Well, I can't even say that because then they introduced Khan. Um, and, and again, there's whole discussions that we can have there is, you know, Khan makes sense if you, understand space seed um and 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 so that context from the show makes sense in star trek 2 um does it actually make sense in this new jj abrams universe maybe not as much and so essentially it's nostalgia building off of star trek 2 building off of space seed um it's almost like a copy of a copy it's it's you know the resolution gets you know thinner every time and and so i i do feel that a lot of storytellers now uh, are afraid in many ways of of just telling their own stories uh, because the fan base is so rabid and so vocal. Uh, you know, to to Rich's point, you I don't even think you could you make Star could Trek not. the motion picture today yeah. because the fans the fans would you know I mean there would be a change.org petition to actually no no this is not canon go back and do it over and 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 so that is I think that the fear um, many kind of storytellers and writings and, 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 and everyone who is creating today is uh, they're almost uh, beholden, enslaved uh, to, to the fan base to the point where it, it's, it's paralyzing. And, and, and so I hope things get better. Um, I think that it will, um, but again, bringing the dreaded F word, uh, when you have these franchises that make multi-billions of dollars, I mean, so they, they just released the, the, the new trailer for, for Avatar 2. Um, and, you know, James Cameron is different because he just does whatever he wants. Um, and so he's not necessarily beholden to anybody but himself. It's good to have him allows that, for that, yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know, inflated and, you know, have the mm-hmm. exactly and, and the talent to back it up. But we've seen that before. You know, George Lucas also had an ego that, you know, uh, aggrandized and, and then essentially made some questionable choices. Um, and so that that is always my fear of like you know properties moving forward is is you know wh- where does the power lie uh in in the characterization no, I agree totally yeah and it's one of those tricky things the the intertwining of 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 art and commerce you know w- uh, uh, what allows for these franchises to be franchises to be long running to reach these anniversaries and these milestones is sort of a delicate dance of giving the audience what they want but um you know even though ironically i think that um these things are are oftentimes successful because they gave the audience something new that they didn't know they wanted and i think that that uh, yeah the um the passion of the fan base the demands that they place on their um beloved franchises i think does make the creative decision sometimes very conservative because um, because it is about continuing on and making money and preserving a brand. The way to do that, um, you don't want to to alienate um, your uh, your hardcore fans too much, which I don't think necessarily makes for the uh, uh, the greatest uh, uh, bedfellows with uh, uh, creativity. That said, I do think that 
the best anniversary stories, and just because it's 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 top of mind, I think um, uh, the fiftieth the fiftieth anniversary special, the day of the Doctor, which I believe was written by um, Stephen Moffat, not uh, Russell T Davies. It was um, uh, uh, Stephen Moffat's. You're right. Um, tenure as uh, showrunner on Doctor Who at that time, but I do think that was successful in that it acknowledged the past. It resolved a long running a long-running character arc and story arc, but but it was really about uh, the character and resolving um, his original sin of the new series, which which was um, which was ending the time war and kind of cleaning the slate to move forward for the next fifty years. Um, so you know, setting up, uh, setting the table as it were for uh, the show to move forward and do new things. So in that spirit, I would love to hear what you guys. Um, think that the secret origins of mint condition has achieved in its first hundred episodes and what you'd like to see it achieve in its next hundred episodes jack if you'd like to uh, to take a second to, to to kind of think on that but um i'm wondering if if anything uh comes to mind immediately or sure no absolutely um no i mean so i mean the first thing i i'd like to say is um you know i'm Josh, I'd like to say again, as always, thank you for starting this podcast. Um, it it really has kind of um, brought the, the 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 spirit, the the life, the 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 life force, if you will, of Mint Condition uh, in a whole new medium. So so in many ways, this podcast uh, is 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 doing uh, a very similar thing to what we're talking about. Insofar as it it is uh, taken the nostalgia uh, that we all shared collectively. Uh, of the the actual entity, the store, Mint Condition, um, but it it has uh, kind of created an avatar uh, of of what really mattered uh, in the store. And so it's, it it wasn't the walls, it, it it wasn't even the comic books, the the sports cards, the the Pokemon cards. It it, it was the collective of all of us coming together and sharing of ourselves, uh, and and so. Um, you know, looking back, uh, I think the, the past hundred episodes have been amazing. We've covered uh, so many different topics, um, and and so uh, in many ways, I I feel that the the, the next hundred episodes, I, I think, will further capture that. Um, you know, I I know that um, you know you're always conceiving and thinking of new and fun and interesting ways to to kind of get us engaged and get the fans involved, uh, and and so uh, I, I feel in many ways, although the physical location and condition no longer exists. Um, what it meant uh, still exists uh, and will continue to uh, exist uh, moving on Absolutely. into the future. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs> you know, I, I, it brings me back to um, my days at Mint, and that was, uh, you know, leaning against the comic rack, folding my arms, and just listening to you guys talk. You know, I put my little input in every once in a while. You know, it's it's like the good old days, and I look forward to the future episodes as well, and uh, and the topics because the topics vary from one extreme to the other. I'm looking forward to a crossover event with uh, Joe, and uh, getting back onto the uh, westerns, getting involved with Joe again with some Silver Age comics. So those are the two things I'm looking forward to, as well as all the other stuff that. Uh, you as a host, Josh, will bring to the table, and we can't wait to get involved. I am very much looking forward to um, more uh, more Western episodes from from you and from Joe. I came very late uh, to Westerns, and I 
it's only in the past few years as an adult that I have um, really come to appreciate them. And I love, I love hearing um, you guys, uh, you guys talk about your love for them. I, I, it's not babble. It's, 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 it's such, uh, it's love and it's affirming. And I, I, it's, it's very nourishing to me to, uh, to hear that. So, so I look forward uh, to that. I'm feeling the, uh, uh, the pull of a parallel dimension. Imagine for a second, an alternate universe where, um, we are not the host of this show and perhaps some of our other friends from the days at Mint, like our friends, James, Joe and Chris were uh, were doing a podcast uh, like the one we do. I do. I think that there is a world moving forward where um, maybe these um, uh, this multiverse of Secret Origins of Mint Condition podcast can coexist, and we can have new perspectives, um, uh, new topics of conversation that uh, with. different voices that will live side by side um, all in the same multiverse. So I I think that is something that we may see more of in the future. Yeah. I want to thank you guys um, and our friends, James, Joe, and Chris um, and everyone else who has ever been a guest on the show or who has listened to this show. Jack, like you said, um, this show is the non-corporeal form of the the community that was shepherded by joe and rich and the grosses that was so nourishing to all of us and it was a space and a time that um was so meaningful and this show has carried that vibe for lack of a better word has 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 recreated that uh, community in a digital age, and I am very thankful that it exists, and I'm very happy to uh, be playing this role in celebrating its 100th episode, and I look forward to an an infinite multiverse of future episodes. I, I, I'm with you 100%. Um, I'd love to um, have the Jack from the other uh, multiverse speak to this Jack and uh, and hear what direction these these topics can go most, most likely we'd kill each other because we think the other one was plotting to kill um, the other but that that's a whole other conversation i had with kevin a, a while back you know another friend um, of the show so yeah i want to i want to thank uh, uh, uh both of you my co-hosts long-running co-hosts uh rich and jack our co-hosts from an alternate universe james Joe and Chris, and and in particular, James, for um, what he has created. Thank you, our listeners, for sticking with us, and we hope you'll stick around for the next 100 episodes. Yep, thank you. Absolutely. Happy thank 100. You, everybody. Oh, any Jubilee. recommendations? Ooh, centennial. Oh, any recommendations? How could I forget this thing that we do at the end of every every episode? <laughs> thank you, Rich. Exactly. Well, that's because I never have one, and I've got one. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start because I've only got one. Okay, um, go Okay, if you don't mind. Uh, um, no. My wife, who's an occupational therapist um, for senior citizens, got a recommendation for a book from a 96-year-old woman that she um, takes care of. And the book was 
the, the Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Have any of you guys heard of this? I've heard of that. Hmm. I've heard of it. I have. A, I own it. I haven't read That's it. That's a surprise. Yet. Um, my, 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 you know, Rich, you, you remember. Yes. You, you, you remember my friend Pete. Yes, also a friend of the show. Um, he recommended it to me years ago. And so uh, I bought it um, and it, it's on my reading list, which at this point, <laughs> I think there are 3,000 books waiting to be read. Um, you know, but, you know, just a, a, yes, you know, I've got a year five worth of books Sundays. That I started that reading this one. I ended up getting um, the audio edition of, and uh, we went on a road trip to Chicago. So, um, okay, I got it from the library, uh, and there are 22 discs, 26 hours. Okay, and we listened to wow, um, not uh, ten, nine or ten, nine discs. On the trip, and we've listened to two more since we got home. But uh, I have to recommend it. It's really, it's really well done. You know, it's kind of a period piece, and you know, if, if nothing else, it's kind of like I would say a possibility that this is uh, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon um, could be. Uh, mm. Well, I, I will. I'll stick with with those two. Um, but it's you know it's a story it, it's it's really well done. I don't want to get into it. Um, other than you should you should definitely check it out. I had a feeling that you guys might be aware of the book, but it's um, I mean I haven't finished it yet. But uh, I, I I really like the direction it's going. So amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay uh, by Michael Shabon, I believe. Yes. I only know it by. Yeah, I only know it by reputation. But, That's correct. Um, and I, I, I have not uh, uh, read it, but I, I know that it um, has been recommended by uh, many people whose opinions I put a lot of, of stock in. As and 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 this is yet another one. So it's just yet another reason why I will have to put it in my queue. Sometimes I feel like I'm I'm going to be, be be crushed under the weight of all the things that I want to read and watch. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah. I'm nowhere near up to snuff with any of these things. Um, I, I during our podcasts, um, I I take uh, what I hear and uh, and then I try to at least get um, back involved. And I've gotten involved with a few things over this past uh, hundred episodes. So thank you guys for that. Absolutely. Jack, do you have any recommendations for our listeners this week or for us? Let's limit it to, let's limit it to you know, 10 or 12 this time. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm only, I'm only going to do one. I'm only going to do one. And, and then this is a quick one. Um, you know, as many of you know, my little guy and I like to watch uh, various things. Uh, so the uh, Dragon Prince season four, wow. I believe. Uh, just dropped on Netflix. Uh, and so if you are a fan of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, if you're a fan of Korra, um, you know, uh, again, uh, in the Avatar universe, uh, it's the same creators. And so the, the show shares a lot of the thematic DNA. Um, and so the season just dropped. Uh, it's a, well, I don't want to ruin it for people who are watching, uh, but it's, it's, it's a really good season, 10 episodes, maybe nine. Um, but uh, for those who are may not have seen it or who are not aware that the new season has dropped, um, I would recommend, you know, giving it a look-see. Uh, it's got some really good themes in there. Um, so again, if you do like Avatar and if you do like Korra, 
um, you know, it, this may uh, be Thanks. something that's that you great, would enjoy. That's a great recommendation. Uh, once again, Avatar: The Last Air, The Last Airbender, and its um, and its associated stories is another thing that has been recommended to me by the the most highly regarded of um, of people, and I trust their opinions. And I I have just I regret that I have yet to uh, to take the plunge, but I know that I will be rewarded mightily when I I do so. So that's um. Uh, my mm. recommendation this week is um, is is pretty basic. Um, Star Wars, Star Wars, Andor, the new uh, Disney Plus series that's um, currently uh, currently just aired. It's it's ninth episode. Oh, yes. It is so wow. good that I don't know what what to do with myself. It is so good. I can't uh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, uh, my friend Matt uh, uh, Barbo, who's um, who's a playwright, um, he he texted me after the third or fourth episode and was like, I was like, I can't believe how good this is. It's so good. It's like, it transcends star Wars and that, and that I think, yeah. And that's oh, wow. um, something that I think we may uh, discuss on a future episode is that, I mean, it is, it's, 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 it's very good. It's a very good show. Um, whether or not it's good star Wars is, I think a question that some star Wars fans might have, but it, there's no denying that it is fantastic. And so that kind of um, is a discussion I look forward to having in the future. Um, well, those are all great recommendations. And thank you, Rich, for reminding me of our long running, long standing uh, tradition of closing episodes uh, by doing that. I don't know what happened to me, how I could have forgotten that. <laughs> hundred episodes, it's, it wears on a person. No, it does. But um Thank you again, everyone, for uh, for joining us, and we will see you very soon. Thank you. Yep. Take care. Episode 101. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the multiverse. All right. So, um, you know, when we had that episode with, uh, with Arco and Jason, and I opened up the podcast multiverse with my sling ring, I, uh, I may have also inadvertently uh, opened up the multiverse itself. Uh, so, uh, so Joe, what what do you think is going on behind this multiverse that we're experiencing? Well, you know, James, what happens when the multiverse collides, when uh, it starts uh, falling apart, uh, there's a fallout, a tremendous fallout, a firestorm, so to speak, of observations, opinions, fanless, and even poaching. And is there an outside force, an entity that's pushing these infinite podcasts to the brink of collapse? Well, I think there is. I think there's a this uh, villain, this force, this force of nature that I have determined that I have uh, to, uh, that I call the anti-moderator, and that he, he or it is scheming to fold an infinitude into one, and if so, who will be there to oppose him? Well, I guess it's going to have to be us. Yes, yeah, so we'll have to prepare for the uh, the anti-moderator. So I guess in lieu. Of, of when you have to work up to facing this anti-moderator, perhaps we should just confirm that that we're always podcasting with the people from our universe. So um, we'll just we'll just do this for a few quick questions. So Chris, just to kind of confirm, you are the Chris who who is from our universe. What are your thoughts on the Batman? Uh, you know, I haven't seen it yet, and I don't know that I will. At some point, I might catch up to it, but um, but I wasn't particularly interested. I kind of my I I have my Batman, and his name is Kevin Conroy. That, that that checks out. That checks out. Um, okay. 
All right. So what? Uh, some, someone verify me. What's something we I, I can verify to make sure I'm the, the 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 James from this this reality? What do you think of MMA, James? Oh, I like MMA. I like MMA. I, I watch it. I don't watch it as much as I would like, mainly because uh, it costs a lot to have pay per view, and I don't have a lot of time. But when I get the option to watch it, um, I, I do. Okay. Hey, that sounds like our James. Okay. All right. So, Excellent. So, so, Joe, this is a long-standing question. What do you think of Star Trek: The Motion Picture? I think it's the best movie ever made. <laughs> oh boy, uh, James! Wow. Wow. I think it's a wonderful hey, film. Of all the Star Trek movies, Joe, Joe, Joe yes. uh, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Uh, but James and I just need a, a quick second. Do you mind if we just just take sure. a step aside? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, <clears throat> uh, James. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is our Joe. No, I don't think it's our Joe because that that's clearly um, it's clearly not our Joe. Uh, he would be he'd be ranting and raving about standing out in the rain. Yeah, normally normally he won't even recognize it unless you call it a Star Trek parallel parking in space. I, I this is not our Joe. No, no. But what, let's let's do one more thing, Chris. Let's, so so Joe, let, let's ask you one more question. Sure. What what do you think of what just happened with the Mets and Yankees baseball season? <sighs> what happened to the Yankees and Mets baseball seasons? Uh, those bastards ruined my summer and my fall. They destroyed everything that was going on great in the summer. They just tore my heart out, threw it on the curb, and stepped all over it. They went down like the Titanic, the Hindenburg, a cheap suitcase, uh, a $2 suitcase. I mean, you can, all the cliches you want to name, they just, they were terrible. They were horrible. And um, I would rip both teams apart and start all over again. That's what I would do if I was in charge. Well, uh, Chris, I, I think I think it's close enough. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I do have one more. Uh, Joe, I know that that was obviously disappointing, but but you have to be happy about the Astros winning the World Series, right? The Astros? Okay, that's close enough. We're the good. cheaters? <laughs> the, the team that is, uh, has taken cheating to a fine art? No. Never right. happy with that. Okay. Well, all right. I, I think he's close enough. I think um, you're right, James. I think he's close enough. I think yeah. we can call it good. Yes, close enough. And uh, and happy hundredth episode to everybody. <laughs> yes, happy hundredth. <laughs> happy hundredth, y'all. <laughs>